over the nation as a whole, so that the control of jobs and business opportunities is in a few hands, despotism stands a good chance. Listen, this is strictly nowhere. You got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk. I'm too tired to listen. I mean, work is for suckers. Hey, it's me, Chris T. Back with another aerial view on the houndnyc.com. And you can hear aerial view live every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, and then replays on Tuesday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And then it becomes a podcast wherever you get podcasts at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. You can uh, find out all about it at facebook.com slash callarialview. Facebook.com slash callarialview is the page for the program, and there's a, a primer up there, as the English like to say. Go check out the Aerial View primer. Uh, we would probably call it a primer. 
But uh, here it is, the day after D-Day. And um, I've got a lot for you on this particular program. I've got an upside-down update, as per usual. There is also a, uh, a rant of mine. There's a lesson in um, shutting my big damn mouth. And uh, another lesson in how email is a terrible medium for nuance or subtlety or to be understood and how everybody is losing their goddamn minds out there. And uh, I think that's plenty, right? That's a lot of, a lot of stuff on the plate. And so let's just dive right in. What do you say? Why delay? Why dilly-dally? What's the other expression I like? <laughs> What's the last time you heard anybody say dilly-dally? Why are you dilly-dallying? <laughs> By the way, I've had a really, uh, a really impressive summer cold for the last week. It's the kind where, you know, you're just, you're in the aisles of the smack me, as we like to call it, the smack me supermarket. And not only do they have like the double audio coming over the speakers, the PA, I mean, going into our local smack me is, is never a pleasant experience. It's like, there's never anything. It's, it, 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 it's a it's it's not the kind of place you want to linger in. It's not you know I've been in supermarkets where oh whoa look at this supermarket geez kind of nice maybe I'll linger for a bit. But they smack me. You're like get in get out. There's nothing. It's it's sans frills. I guess is how I would put it. No frills and. The, what's gotten worse is the last few times I've been in a smack me over here in the Hawk. We Hawk in New Jersey, where Burr shot Hamilton. The last few times I've been in there, they have this issue with the uh, in-store PA. Where there's like double audio. Technically, that's I guess that's what you would call it, double audio. Where, you know, there's some kind of commercial playing... And then the pre-recorded Smack Me announcements are playing over the commercials. And it's just, it sets up this, like, dissonance. It sets up this whole thing in your head where you're like, ugh, this place, like, is as if this place wasn't annoying enough. The Smack Me. Now I gotta put up with the double audio. I'm going to try to, uh, I'll do, a, I'll try to, I'll try to recreate it for you so you can hear a little bit of what it sounds like, okay? It's going to be a little tricky, but I'm going to try it. I'll play a commercial and then I'll do like a typical smack me announcement over the commercial. See what you think. It's going to be a vintage commercial because that's about all I have access to right now, but you, you'll get the feeling if this comes out okay. All right. Tell you what. Here, let me try this. I'm going to get a more up-to-date commercial. This commercial I had had William Bendix in it, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> going to go that far back, huh? For a commercial. So I'll try something else. Here we go. I don't even know if I have any commercials here. I might not have any commercials on this thing. You know, I tried to record it the other day. Let me see if I caught a little bit of it. I might have caught a little bit of it on my phone. That'll be even a better better idea because then you'll you'll get to hear the real thing. See? This is Aerial View on thehoundmyc.com. And uh, every Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern Time Live. The number here is 760-I-CALL-AV. 760-422-5528. 
And yes, that number is in Palm Springs. Pretty good, right? My number's in Palm Springs, but I'm not. All right, here's 10 seconds of something. Let me see if this is it. See, I didn't get the guy talking over that. That's the, that's the only problem. I got I got just the commercial. I just got the pre-recorded commercial. But over the top of that, here I'll I'll use this and I'll play it and I'll do my smack me guy impression on top of that. It's gonna take a little bit of coordination. Let's see. Shop is only happening now. Pork chops five for one. Buy one. Pork chop, get four pork chops for free. Only now at the Smack Me. It's kind of like that. There's there's always somebody with a real healthy New Jersey accent. They get on the damn PA and they're telling you, shop is only now until June 7th. Buy one Briar's ice cream. Get one Briar's ice cream free. Now at your local Smack Me. And I'm like, oh, Christ, do you have to do like 1,500 of these every fucking time I'm in here? Do you? Really right now? As a friend of mine used to say. Really right now? Can't, can't, what the, what the, what objection do you have to some peace and fucking quiet? That's what I want to know. Do you really think, by the way, and I guess right now I'm talking to the people who run the smack me. And I don't know who that is, but do you really think that your announcements are causing anybody in that store to do anything that they didn't f- come in there to do? Do you really suppose that your announcements over the PA are guiding anybody towards additional pork chop purchases or yet more tubs of ice cream? Oh, God. And it's not, it's, uh, listen. It's not just the announcements. It's the horrible music, too. Every time I'm in there, I hear, like, these horrid pop songs that I never want to hear again, that I've heard way too often, and I'm being subjected to them yet again because they're on some endless goddamn loop deep in the bowels of the Smack Me supermarket. You know, this is why, I guess, that everybody's having their groceries delivered. Even the Smack Me delivers now. They'll bring your shit to you. Can become agoraphobic. Never leave the house again. Just stay indoors all the time. Unless you have a dog that has to shit. Then you take it outside. We got cats. They shit indoors. One thing you have to know about our cats, Roger and Violet, by the way. They're never going to shit in front of your house and leave it there. And they're never going to sit outside crying endlessly first of all you probably wouldn't even hear it because it's not that loud secondly there's a world of difference between endless barking and a cat crying but we we have a new neighbor around here somebody around here been putting their dog outside and the dog just barks on end for 15 fucking minutes can you tell i'm annoyed i might have been born annoyed i i think I think I have to finally, there's parts of myself that I finally have to learn how to accept. There's, you know, when you get to a certain point in your life, you have to think, well, these are my limitations, right? And I'm probably only going to get more limited. I'm not going to get, there's not going to, I'm not going to add new capabilities, something tells me. I mean, who knows? Maybe. Never say never, right? The likelihood, however, is something quite different. But you, you, you get to a point in your life where you think, okay, well, this, this is who I am. I mean, why, why am I still upset about this? Because this is who I am. I, I think I was born annoyed. It's quite possible. Irritated. Things irritate me. And I try to be more Zen and I try to be more Buddhist or whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing. And it doesn't really take, unfortunately. One of the things that's been annoying me in this last week, and, and you know, first let's do the upside down update. What do you what do you say? And you know, I think I have a sound effect for this. Let's try this one. 
There you go. I like that one. This is me banging my head against the wall. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> so, uh, you know, the age, the age of anxiety that we live in currently, the upside down that we're living in currently, every day there's something that comes over the transom where you go, what in the hell? And when will this end? And... Hopefully I'll be dead by the time it all goes to hell. That's the other thing I think. <laughs> um, you know, the, the the news about climate change. Listen, you know all the news about climate change. You know all the news about the horrible things that are going on. Drug-resistant germs. The uh, death of the... The collapse of the uh, colony, bee colonies. I mean, what else do you need? Really? Do you need anything else? Do you need any other bad news from the underground from me? I mean, if you're if you're a sense what's it sentient human being? You know that things are they're bad. And a couple of weeks ago, because you know, last week I did the Deadwood Days aerial view show, and thanks again to W. Earl Brown for joining me and if you want to hear that just search aerial view podcast and you'll find it wherever you get podcasts but two weeks the week before the deadwood days show i talked about this thing that a shrink of mine used to say this shrink that has since gotten dementia or alzheimer's i, I forget which one frankly but doesn't remember who the hell i am and a, a woman who was very pivotal in my life, who was very instrumental in helping me stay off the shoals of, uh, you know, personal destruction. And for that, I'll, I'll forever be grateful. But she used to say to me, hope is a disease. And I would say, what the hell does that mean? Because, you know, you always hear good things about hope. I don't mean hope, Pennsylvania. I mean hope. And, uh, and, and a couple of weeks ago, I heard myself telling this whole thing on the, on the air, on the houndnyc.com. I remember talking about this, and I remember thinking, well, does that mean I'm hopeless? Does that mean I feel that things are hopeless? If hope is a disease, and I believe it because this person said it, and she was pretty smart, had done a lot more thinking about thinking than I had ever done about thinking, and so I, I said to myself, okay, well, did that, self? If hope is a disease, does that mean I think things are hopeless? Hmm. Hmm. And then I read this Roxanne Gay editorial in the New York Times yesterday. And she says essentially the same thing. Roxanne Gay, Pulitzer Prize writer, Pulitzer Prize winning writer, very smart person who I also trust, very perceptive person, who had to put together a commencement address and thought, okay, like how, can, how do I go out there and talk to these young people? How do I say anything about the world that they're entering? And she writes about hope and how we need to give up hope because hope means putting change in somebody else's hands hope means giving up agency hope means well let's hope things get better see when you say that to me i would probably prefer you said let's make some change so things get better let's change some laws let's change some minds let's change some things so that things get better it's the difference between saying let's let's hope the climate's okay and let's create some legislation, let's make some changes to perhaps forget making the climate better, that's not possible, but keeping the temperature rise to a a reasonable amount where you'd only lose Miami and a bunch of other coastal cities. There go your coastal elites. Whoops. Whoopsie daisy. What happened to all my coastal elites? Well, there was a sea level rise, see, and... Oh, well. 
They had a good long run. Those coastal elites. Tell you what. I keep hearing Detroit's going to be the ideal place to live when the sea levels rise. When the droughts come and the food supply drops off. That you'll be okay in Detroit. Or maybe that's just some kind of guerrilla Detroit marketing campaign. Spread the word. Detroit's the place. Spread the word. Chris T here on Aerial View on thehoundnyc.com about a third of the way through the program and the phone number again in Palm Springs wow you've always wanted to call Palm Springs and you never did it call now 760-422-5528 I should check the weather in Palm Springs just see what it's doing there right here right now in the Hawk it's like 77 degrees. It's a it's a little over 50% humidity. It was kind of a humid whack. Wait a minute. It's actually 66% humidity and 74 degrees. Humidity is on the rise. But I bet it's friggin' dry in Palm Springs. It is the desert after all. Talk about climate change. It's a totally artificial environment. They carved out of the desert. You want to know what it's doing in Palm Springs right now? First of all, it's 16% humidity, okay? And it's 99 degrees. It's sunny. Today's high was 101. And the low is was 70 degrees. Let's see if it's going to cool down overnight. Nope. Staying hot all through the night. Turn on that AC. So that's where, if you call Palm Springs right now, it's 99 degrees in Palm Springs. But it is 16%. It's... You know, that thing about it's a dry heat, right? It's a dry heat. That's why the old farts go out there. Play golf. And uh, that leads me to my next conversation. Not golf. No, I'm not going to discuss golf. I'm sorry. I don't know anything about golf. I tried to golf one time. I didn't. it, It wasn't my thing. It wasn't my bag. I like driving around in a golf cart. I, I just don't want to actually have to hit the stupid ball. And I know, I, listen, I know, it's good exercise that people like it, and Iggy Pop plays golf, so it's got to be okay. But not me. Whoopsie, Daisy! <sighs> so, uh, no, uh, old farts. That was my uh, segue. Old farts, of which I'm becoming One. I will turn 57 this year. September 5th. I share a birthday with Freddie Mercury and Raquel Welch. And a whole bunch of other cool people. I'm sure a couple of nerds as well. Who knows? It doesn't really matter. Uh, What matters is there's um, this feeling I've been getting. There's a feeling I get when I look towards the West. No. Uh, there's this feeling I've been getting since I've been out of a, a job. I lost my job that I had for a dozen years back at the end of April of 2018. And since then, I have sent out a whole bunch of resumes and cover letters. Probably, uh, on average, one a day. Maybe more. And of all those resumes and cover letters that I've sent out and applications that I've made, I've, I've had maybe a couple of interviews in all that time for actual jobs. When I say actual job, I mean what we used to think of as a good job, a full-time job with benefits, a job with uh, dignity, a job with some kind of security, a job with a 401k and health care and all that crap. And, uh, I've interviewed for maybe one or two of those jobs. And um, one of those jobs, I interviewed for it twice. And I made it all the way down to the last three people. And I, I really I really thought there might have been a chance I'd get that job. But lost out to another candidate. And what are you going to do? Um, but since I've lost my job, I've had this feeling that there are a couple of things that are holding my resume and cover letter on the wrong side of somebody's desk, whatever side that is, wherever they put the pile of uh, 
resumes. And see now, this is this is I'm such an old fart at this point that I I'm envisioning somebody with pieces of paper. What the hell are they doing with pieces of paper? They they're looking at email and they're shoving your emails into a folder that says uh-uh no way never going to happen. And I have suspected ageism at play. I've suspected other reasons why. And one of the things that I suspected got me into trouble recently on a, on a public radio list in New York City, which I joined, by the way, to try to get work from. And um, in an indirect way, it's led to some work for me, and I'm very happy about that. But it was like it had nothing to do with anyone actually offering a job. It was It was really kind of... It was kind of a networking situation, I want to call it. It was kind of a meeting and talking situation that led to the to the job, which is a contract position, and it will be over before too much longer. It's not, quote-unquote, a regular job. Uh, but I got myself in trouble for this other thing that I think is go- which is going on, which is that I, I there's a diversity push afoot right now, and it's a bad time for me to be who the way I was born. Um, in the particular world that I'm looking for work, the media world right now, especially the broadcast and podcast world, is undergoing this change right now. And it's addressing uh, it's, it's addressing really entrenched issues of who got jobs and why. And it, it's an attempt uh, to diversify and an attempt to bring new voices and new people into the fold, people from um, previously marginalized groups, whether you're talking about uh, people of color, sometimes uh, the acronym is POC, or you're talking about LGTBQ folks, or you're talking about the differently abled, or, uh, but let's use the umbrella term marginalized groups, because for our conversation, it's, it's certainly shorter to say. And um, so I, I've never been in a marginalized group unless you think fat is a marginalized group. And it's, it's, it's not. I don't think there's any title. For, what is it? Title? For, I don't know. I really wish right now that my friend who's got the degree in labor relations was listening and could call in and could help with some of these definitions. Um, you tell, uh, explain what a protected group is, in other words, because I'm not in a protected group. Straight white men are not in a protected group. And, and there's a good reason for that, because there's just so many of them. And for a really long time, they, they ran things, see. And you could argue that they still run things. I mean, they still hold the real power, and I wouldn't disagree with you. Um, look where it's led us. Look what it's led to. So maybe it's it's time for a change on that front. But I find myself looking for work in the media environment at a bad time for straight white men. And recently on this public radio list in New York, when someone posted a job, and I had that usual thing where I read three quarters of the way down the ad for the job that he posted, and I get to the part where I'm ruled out somehow. And this was really overt. He, he ruled out... I'll, I'll read you what this guy wrote, okay, for this podcast job. Quote, Our show firmly believes that in order to tell stories reflective of the experiences of all kinds of families, our team should reflect the diversity of the families with whom we seek to collaborate. Okay, nothing wrong there, right? POC, people of color, women, LGBTQ folks, and anyone else who isn't a straight white male are strongly encouraged to apply, unquote. Now leave aside the grammatical issue, because apparently people who correct other people's grammar are uh, no good nicks. They're bad people. But it, I, I'm sorry, it should be, are, um, is strongly encouraged to apply, not are, Sorry. But that wasn't my objection. What I did next was me being in a, unable to shut my mouth, especially on email, and email has gotten me into trouble more times than I want to count. But I wrote back and I said, Hey, dear good people, some of you might know me, most of you do not. And I, I, I laid out my work experience starting in 1986 and volunteering at WFMU 
and volunteering for many years before I got a paying gig in radio. I mean, I, I don't really count the working in the office at WFMU, which I did very early on. 1987, I worked in the office alongside of uh, David Newgarden. And um, I don't count that as a radio job. That was like an administrative job. You know, that was like a clerical job. But I, I did some radio stuff as well. But I mean, I, I spent a lot of time trying to learn what I was doing and not getting paid for it. And, and sometime in the 90s, I think it was the late 90s, I got freelance work at NPR at the New York Bureau. And I, I would go out on these things called tape syncs and I would bring a really good microphone and I would bring a boom pole. And I, at the time when I started a Marantz portable cassette recorder. And then uh, a little later on, it became a, a Sony DAT Walkman. And then there was mini disc machines and now it's flash based recorders. But... You know, a tape sync, and you've heard many of them, and maybe you didn't know, because when they're done properly, you don't really know you're listening to one, but some schmuck like me goes out and shoves a microphone in front of someone's face, and the interviewer back in the studio, whoever it might be, I mean, when I was working, it was Melissa Block and Scott Simon and uh, the late, great Margot Adler and Jim Zaroli and all these people that you hear if you listen to... Uh, uh, all Things Considered, or Morning Edition, or however you consume your national public radio news. And I would sit there with the microphone pointed at the mouth of the interview subject, and they would have a phone pressed up to their face, and they'd be li listening to the interviewer back in the studio. And later on, you would take these two recordings, and you'd mash them up. You'd stick them together. I mean, I, mean, when I got hired at NPR. One of the skills that I had that got me hired there was I could cut tape with a razor blade. I can cut reel-to-reel -reel tape. I can mark it with a grease pencil. I could cut it. You know, whenever, whenever I get into how long I've been doing this shit and my particular skill set, I start to feel like Jerry Seinfeld's father on the show Seinfeld. You remember when Jerry Seinfeld's father wanted to go back to work in the garment industry and he found himself at the at a Jay Peterman catalog meeting and he said something along the lines of, I'll tell you how you move merchandise dim lighting and low prices and then he got up and he quit the Jay Peterman catalog company because he just couldn't get it he just didn't get it the way things go on now and um, that's how I feel when I talk about the 33 years of experience I've had in the radio business and I've done all kinds of crap in radio and podcast, in broadcast and podcast, on both sides of the mic. Engineering side, the uh, hosting side. That's what I always enjoyed about Aerial View, was I, I, I got to do it myself, and I got to engineer it myself, and mix it myself, and I got to do all the sound for it myself. I mean, I sure, I who doesn't like to collaborate? But sometimes you want something of your own. You see what I'm saying now? See what I mean now? So back in April, end of April, I get shit canned of uh, 2018 after 12 years on the most for the most bogus of reasons. Um, I still postulate that I lost my job because I wasn't sufficiently pro-Trump. And, uh, you know, if you're a thinking human being, you're not pro-Donald Trump. Only people who haven't really thought things through support Donald Trump. These are people with no vision, who can't think five minutes into the future, apparently. Those are the people who support Donald Trump. Uh, either that or you like a bully, you like uh, a racist, you like a misogynist. Maybe, maybe that gets, gets you really excited, that kind of person. A grifter, a con man, a cheat. Maybe those are your kind of people. They're not my kind of people. And uh, and I, I I could make you a case. If we ever meet and you buy me a beer, or I don't care, it could be a fucking white wine spritzer. Doesn't matter to me. I'll tell you the whole story. I'll connect the dots for you. I'll even bring the dots. And I'll show you how. It's... uh my firm belief that I lost my job because I wasn't sufficiently 
up with Donald. Which is why it was so ironic I found myself in this argument on this public radio list when I objected, when I said, hey, you know, some of you may think that this kind of thing is okay to specifically say straight white males, anybody who isn't a straight white male, strongly encouraged to apply. But, you know, I I would like to go back to a time when this stuff happened after the applications came in. Let's go back to giving people their illusions that, you know, you could... Please feel free, filter me out after the fact, which is what's happening anyway, because people see you have 33 years of experience in radio and it doesn't doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. We want young ideas. This is a, we got young things we want to do and we need young ideas. Plus, we want to underpay everybody. We don't want to really pay people. We want everyone to live three in a room in Bushwick. That's what we want. And we want to pay you uh, slightly above minimum wage. And we want you to work all the time. We want you to be available on weekends. We want you to be available on holidays. And we want, we want, we want. But you know, here, we'll help you keep your illusions. We'll filter you out after the fact. We'll just take your resume and application. We'll put it in the folder that says, no chance in hell. Too fucking old. Whatever it says on it, straight white male, whatever it might say. Just leave me, leave me with the fantasy that my long experience and my copious skills count for something. That's, that's all I asked. And, and then right away, all these people started telling me I should read books about white fragility and telling me that the job the ad never actually ruled straight white males out and that you could still apply for this and... And then meanwhile, I'm getting these messages back channel. I'm getting these other emails from people who were supporting what I said, who were saying, you know, I've been seeing a lot of this too. And I, I just don't, I don't understand it because aren't we all allies marching together? And, and as allies, should we really be treating each other this way? And before you knew it, it blew up into this whole goddamn thing. I mean, I had no idea. First of all, I didn't know that this public radio list had like 4,000 plus people on it. I hadn't really thought about that. That's like a that's like a small town. That's a decent-sized community. If you drove into a town of 4,000 people, right? And I guess it hadn't occurred to me. And And the other thing, and you know, you could label this an excuse and rationalization, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter to me. But I, you know, for many years, my business was getting people to call into a talk show. By the way, the number here is 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. And it's currently 99 degrees in Palm Springs where my phone phone number happens to reside. So give us a call and let me know how you feel about this whole thing, because, you know, between losing my job and reviving Aerial View, I did this podcast. It's still out there. It's called Job Story. I must have done 20 episodes. And it was a pure podcast. It wasn't like this, like Aerial View. It wasn't heard on the internet in real time. And so I had lots of time to labor over it and assemble it and think about it and record it and write it and do all this stuff, you know. And, and it's not the first podcast I've ever produced. I've produced a few podcasts in my day. I used to do a podcast at WFMU called Communication Breakdown, which I was very proud of. It's still out there. And, you know, these podcast jobs I'm applying for, this is stuff that I could do. I know it's within my capabilities. I know that I could bring stuff to the table, too, that folks may not have thought about. And I guess what pissed me off the most about this guy's original ad was, you know, what he said before the part where he said straight white males... Anyone else who isn't a straight white male strongly encouraged to apply. When he said that, uh, our show firmly believes that in order to tell stories reflective of the experiences of all kinds of families, our team should reflect. See, that part, I rushed past it. All kinds of families. And I thought, yeah, all kinds of families except my family? Except what family are we talking about? The family that I come from? By the way, you know, I... I <laughs> 
okay, my dad was a straight white male, right? Okay, great. But there were there are and there were gay people in my family. And I I love those people and grew up with those people. So I don't know. I, I, I can't put the first part of this thing together with the second part. I can't put the, this, this... By the way, when I say this part, I mean it was italicized and in bold print. Okay? So this disclaimer that this guy ran in his job ad, which, again, I was more than qualified to do this job. And... And what I tried to say when I wrote back, I, I I talked a little bit about ageism, you know, and we're almost out of show here. Got about 16 minutes, 17 minutes left in the program, and I haven't even mentioned this story that just popped up in uh, the New York Times. And, and I'm sorry if I'm always mentioning the New York Times, but to me, it's the paper of record, and uh, it's still as close to... Um, facts and the truth as I think we're going to get in a modern in our modern world where you and I will spend the rest of our lives. Uh, and and the headline of this article is new evidence of age bias in hiring and a push to fight it. And you should go and find it. It's on the New York Times. You could find it on my my Facebook page as well. Facebook.com slash call aerial view. I will share it there. And uh, it's, it's something I've suspected has been going on for a while. I've been hearing from people I know. Anecdotally. Anecdotally. Is that the word? Anecdotally. That uh, if, if they're over 50, they're struggling now if they've lost their job. If they're over 50, they are hearing murmurs. They're hearing things. They're starting to feel uneasy about their future at a job they've had for a while. There's something afoot. And now uh, the New York Times is talking about it. They're they're talking about how people are no longer being allowed to take the off-ramp to retirement and how they're finding themselves in this uneasy state when they thought they were approaching a time in their lives when they would have some kind of sense of the future and a sense of security. And that's not happening. And that's kind of where I am. And so this thing that I read on this public radio list, it was like, it hit me. It hit me all wrong. Keep in mind, as I mentioned earlier, going through this bad summer cold, taking all this crap, taking an antibiotic and taking Mucinex D and taking Delsin and taking Afrin and trying to, and coughing up, stopping in to smack me to cough up my lungs. Well, luckily, it didn't make it into my lungs. I guess it was all coming out of my head. And you know when you've become like this phlegm and mucus-producing machine and you're stopping in the supermarket to cough into a bandana, this horrible yellow-brown mass that was living inside of you, and you're trying to have some codeine cough syrup so you could sleep at night and not cough your brains out and wake up with a sore throat... Has that ever happened to you, Bunky? Oh, I miss the old philosopher so much. You have no idea how much I miss the old philosopher. It's probably the not the best time to get into uh, fights over email with people. And especially people, again, you know, who are supposed to be allies marching together. Aren't they? Allies marching is exactly fucking right. Allies marching together to defeat uh, the an ex- existential threat to mankind, the likes of which we've never seen. To defeat a grifter and a con man and a liar and a cheat. And the worst person you could possibly put in charge of the United States of America. The Like if you had a contest for the worst person. Hey, I wonder who the worst person is that we could get to run things. Hmm? I wonder. I wonder who it is. Hmm. Let's have a contest. You couldn't have found a worse person. I don't think it's possible. I think we put the worst person we could in charge. Not me. You're not pinning this one on me. Sorry. But, uh... 
allies marching together instead of getting into these circular firing squads that I had heard about many, many years ago. My good friend Doris Nicastro. When I first moved to New Jersey, 1986, I had a job working at an inbound telemarketing house, taking calls for the likes of uh, Lord and Taylor and the Lillian Vernon catalog and even the New York Times. And Doris was a supervisor there. And, you know, I've always said this, the, the genesis of my talk radio career, being a host on the radio, it started in those telemarketing houses. It started when I worked for the 1st Marine Division back in Copaig on Long Island. I would call fart knockers and try to get some money out of them for a full-page ad and some stupid fucking yearbook. We'll mail you 40 copies of the yearbook. You pass it out to your friends and neighbors, and they'll see. Give us $100. That was the genesis of my talk radio career, but Doris... She used to talk about how the Democrats, how progressives, liberals, whatever you want to call it, they would get into these circular firing squads. They would fire at each other. What Jung, I believe, called the narcissism of small differences. You know, and she would talk about that. And Sheila, my shrink who has dementia and Alzheimer's or whatever she's got, would talk about the same thing. This idea that it's these little differences that set us on each other. And I consider gender and orientation and skin color to be small differences. They ultimately don't matter. Ultimately. What matters is what's, what's in someone's heart, what's in their brain. That's what matters to me. I don't care where you come from. I don't care who you love. I don't care about so many things that I'm supposed to care about as a straight white male, and I feel like a traitor to the whole idea of straightness and whiteness and maleness in a lot of ways. And I tried to say all these things in these emails that flew back and forth on this public radio list, and I utterly failed. I failed to the point where I got banned from the list, and it became this whole thing. With people hitting me back channel and sending me emails and reading up on discrimination. And, you know, I spoke to the friend of mine with the degree in labor relations from Cornell. And I and he said, no, you know, like uh, if you're under the age of 40, straight white male is not a protected group. Maybe if you're over the age of 40, you could claim ageism. But as the New York Times points out just today, good luck with that. That's That's really the whole article could have said good luck with that. Because the headline is, new evidence of age bias in hiring and a push to fight it. Well, you could have saved a lot of space, Patricia Cohen, who wrote this article. And you could have said, good luck with that. You think in our current environment, do you think with who's currently in charge? And do you think with Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell and all these bootlicks, these absolute lackeys? Who keep licking Donald Trump's ass to get their tax breaks and God knows what else. They're in regulations gutted and ugh, what an age of rapacious greed in which we live. It's horrifying. It's horrifying. And aren't we allies marching together to try to defeat all this? Aren't we? Allies marching is exactly fucking right. And yet, that's not what you see. You see people getting into circular firing squads. You see them turning on each other because somehow they've taken this entrenched position. And it doesn't matter that the trench is on the same side of the front. It doesn't matter that you're an ally. They're firing on you anyway because that's what they believe and they're not moving off that. And it doesn't matter what you have to say about it. We're not interested in hearing from you. Sit down and shut up. We've heard from you enough already. And I get it. I get it intellectually. I just don't get it financially. <laughs> financially, it's a drag when you have the skills 
necessary to do the job. And you're told, yeah, don't bother applying. And, you know, I would, I would use the expression, which I think is an excellent expression. I've been hoisted on my own petard, but this isn't my petard. I never had this petard. I mean, I like to think of myself as an ally marching and someone who understood and tried to empathize with the struggles of uh, people in marginalized groups who have had it far worse than you or I for a really long time. And if I have to be collateral damage along the road to a better life for everybody, I'm okay with that. So be it. This is not a martyr complex. I just, I don't want to work anymore is what it comes down to. I worked really hard for a really long time. And now I just kind of want to, I want to do the things that I've always wanted to do. I want to, I want to do the audio things I've always wanted to do. I want to write the articles that I've always wanted to write. I want to write the plays. I want to write, I want, I want to get up on stage and tell stories There's all kinds of stuff that I want to do instead of showing up at a desk at 7.30 in the morning and sitting there and bashing my brains out all day long to try to keep people happy who were not going to ever be happy with the job that I was doing. The only people that were happy with the job that I was doing, the listeners. The listeners still contact me. They still say, hey, we miss you. We enjoyed what you did on the air. Thank you. And that's really all that mattered. Ultimately, that's all I care about. Ultimately, you never, listen, you never heard the show that I did for a dozen years. It's very likely you never heard it. That's okay. It was entertaining. And it was informative. And it was relevant. All those things that you're supposed to do in talk radio... I did them. And if I don't ever do them again, so be it. I'll do it here on thehoundnyc.com. And you know what? You won't have to pay $13 a month to hear it. Here, you can hear it for nothing. You're hearing it right now. And you'll hear it again on Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time when the show replays. And then it becomes a podcast. 7 p.m. Tuesdays. And then it lives forever. It'll live forever. And that's cool. But uh, before we run out of road entirely, because there's only about five minutes left in the program, I, I, I've been unbanned, by the way. And uh, I, this is all in my newsletter. If you want to get my newsletter, drop me a line at aerialviewer.me. And um, I will put you on the email list. I should say aerialviewer at me.com is what I meant to say. Aerialviewer at me.com. Send me a note. Say you would like to get the weekly email. Comes out every Tuesday. It's called See You Next Tuesday. And I've been putting this email out now, this newsletter out now. I'm up to edition 275. That's one every week. 275 weeks of newsletters, email newsletters. And this latest one tells the whole story and it's a fascinating story, and, and a couple of friends of mine, one said, you know, you need to write this up. You need to get this to the New York Times or the Washington Post. And another friend emailed me and said, this could make a great magazine article. And I said, are you are you kidding? Really right now? I'm already having people tell me that they would never hire me because I said something about this guy's ad, that I'm apparently not a good team player. In other words, they missed the point entirely. They missed my point entirely. They thought I was being this fragile, straight white guy who can't adjust, who thinks that equality is discrimination. They, They put me in their motherfucking trick bag, man. You can't put me in your fucking trick bag. I'm not going in your trick bag. I'm not that guy. You picked the wrong person, partner. It's a poor fit. And, uh, and, and, and for many reasons, none of which I will go into now, it's a poor fit. It ain't me, babe. And unfortunately, 
that doesn't matter. Like I said earlier, nuance, subtlety, and email, they don't go together. And that was my mistake. I mean, I... If you want to talk about a petard that I have, my petard is email. It, it's led to the dissolution of a few things in my life. Friendships, a couple of times, and now this whole goddamn thing. And by the way, I had a guy reach out to me who does a podcast, because, you know, everybody now does a podcast, right? Everybody, for reasons unknown, they have to have a podcast. They couldn't tell you why they want a podcast. They couldn't tell you what they're going to do with their podcast. They just want to know that they can make some money from their podcast. They want to figure out how they can make some money from their podcast. He reached out and he said, hey, we're doing a podcast about public radio. And we would like to talk to you about this whole thing that went on on the public radio list. And I said, yeah, well, okay, sure, let's do it. Hey, I would love to talk to you about it. Why not? And then the day came. We were all scheduled, ready to go, and I, I backed out. I said, yeah, you know, no amount of me speaking about this is going to lead to anybody understanding what I'm trying to say. And what would be the point, really? And do I really want potential future employers saying, this guy's not a team player. He's one of these fragile straight white males. <laughs> and yes, uh, my skin color... And my gender and my orientation have bestowed certain benefits upon me. And at times I've been blind to what those benefits are, is all I'll say. And uh, I still feel that in my life I have struggled for things and to get things and to get jobs and to learn things and to be things and to do things. It hasn't been laid out for me. I mean, I know people who had rich daddies. And they had a soft cushion. And they never had to have that gnawing fear in the pit of their stomach about what do, I, what do I do if I can't pay the bills? What do I do if I can't pay the bank for this house? They never felt those things, and that's fine. Not everyone needs to, but I have known those things. And um, I would appreciate it if I submit a resume and an application for your stupid podcast job. That you give me a, a fair shake. That's all I would say. You don't rule me out because this fucking guy's old. And by the way, he's straight and he's white and he's male. Screw you. Or either that, I'm just going to open a little a tchotchke store. I think that's what I... It's about time for me to do that. Just open a little store somewhere selling crap. How's that sound? Wow, look at that. We're out of time. Uh, don't forget, the Facebook page is facebook.com slash callarialview. And uh, you can hear this show replay Tuesday at 7 p.m. I'm sorry, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And then it'll become a podcast wherever you get podcasts. And that'll happen at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. And uh, stay here. The Hound is back. And then a new Hound Howl on Sunday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And then... Crashing the party, the doo-wop chop shop at the air with Mark and Miriam. Sundays at 5 p.m. And again, if you want to get my email newsletter, drop me a line at arielviewer at me.com. Arielviewer at me.com. The phone number in Palm Springs is active all the time. 760-422-5528. 760-I-CALL-AV. I was in Mr. Trump's office when his secretary announced there would be a massive dump. Mr. Trump responded by stating to the effect, wouldn't that be great? This is Jackie Mason reminding you to take your belongings. You don't have to take them, but if you want to, it's up to you. By the way, ask for a receipt. Take it, ask him, don't be ashamed.